bunch of you, awesome. We talked about street signs, road signs, if you were here, and uh, it was a crazy winter day, and I told you as you left, make sure as you, as you saw the road signs as you left uh, to, uh, to remember the message. And I was kind of struck as I, as I pulled out of here and I started going down the road. Every road sign was covered in snow. You couldn't see one of them. And I'm like, oh, great. Like, no one's going to apply anything. So hopefully uh, that message was an encouragement to you. Uh, pastor called me, oh, I don't know, maybe five, four or five months ago. And he said, or maybe it was the day, maybe it was three or four months ago when I was here. He said, I'm maybe looking for somebody in June. And are you interested? And I said, yes. And he said, hey, it might be a series. Can you do a series? And um, I said, yeah, that's fine. And so here we are back again. If you weren't here before, um, my name is Paula Bradovic. I'm an area missionary with Word of Life. I work with curriculum. I work with an internship. My wife is right here, Tatiani, and my daughter's right here, Liana. And I have another daughter in the uh, nursery or whatever, children's church, whatever it's called, uh, Sierra. And you'll want to meet Cece. She's a little feisty one. If you haven't met her, she's fun. So uh, make sure you meet her. Liana's a little quieter, and she's probably going to say, Dad, stop talking about me. So I will, okay? But she's right here. All right. Uh, grab your Bibles if you have them and turn to the book of Esther. If you don't have your Bibles, I will put a lot, a lot, a lot of verses on the screen. And uh, hopefully the sound booth can keep up with me. Um, I've given them my script, so hopefully that's all good. So uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about this idea of providential, okay, this idea of providential. And uh, I want to ask you a question. And by the way, I like feedback. I, I was a youth pastor for 14 years, so I love talking to people. So if I kind of ask questions, please feel free to talk. Uh, kids, uh, that's not you talking one to another. You'll get in trouble if you do that, so don't do that. But uh, if you want to talk back uh, to me, that's great. Uh, so we may do that a little bit today. But So we'll start off this way. How many of you uh, like the theater, not, not like movies, like cinema that way, but I mean like the theater, like drama on the stage, big curtains open up and the actors, actresses come out. How many of you like that kind of stuff? Couple, well, okay, this half and a couple of people there. How many of you have ever been in dramas before? You've actually been in a play, you've been in a, on the stage, all right? All right I, I've done a couple. What'd you do? Caleb, what'd you, I know Caleb, by the way. What'd you do? What'd you do? Uh, Wizard, of Oz. Wizard of Oz. What, what, what were you? The Cowardly Lion. Awesome. Over here, so somebody else. What were you? Pirate in Peter Pan. Not Captain Hook, but just a pirate. Okay. All right. Awesome. Was it fun? Did you have to wear tight pants and weird? And no, pirate. That's a different pirate thing, right? Yeah. Okay. Good. Whew. Good stuff. What were you? Okay, I'm, she, she, she saw, oh, I saw, saw a murder. Okay, uh, somebody else, what were you, what were you? Somebody else, somebody yelled it out. Wait, somebody, anybody? Okay, well, when I was in college, I did a little bit of drama. I went to a university in Chattanooga, and uh, we always did a massive passion play. And it was, it was, it was huge. And uh, when I was a freshman, I got involved in it, and I worked my way all the way up through my second senior year, if you've ever <laughs> done that before. I got two degrees. I didn't get bad, get bad grades. But I, I, I played every part uh, in the Pharisee role. I was a Pharisee, and I had to wear this big, long robe and this massive hat and, and all full makeup. And I, they, they wouldn't let us grow beards at my university. And then when, when you were in the passion play, you could get permission to grow a beard. So I had, a, I had to wear a button around that said, permission to grow a beard. <laughs> no joke. I, and, I, and I couldn't really grow it. And then they finally just told me, stop trying to grow it. And they, they glued one on me, and I had this massive beard. And then the final year, the very last year I did it, I was the main narrator for the whole thing. Now, not like reading a script kind of narrator. I, was, I had to memorize the whole thing, the whole drama. And so um, uh, to this day, I can still quote some of the lines. Actually, I can, because I was Pharisee 1, then Pharisee 2, then Pharisee 3, then Caiaphas, who was the head Pharisee, uh, I can actually do all the lines. Uh, and I can like, do this conversation with myself, which I won't do today because it's really corny. All right? But I can still do that. 
But then they recruited me. Oh, by the way, when I was the narrator, I was in full makeup, I mean, getting ready to do this thing, and I actually met the pastor that hired me where I went to in Ohio. He was at the Passion Play, and he was there. His daughter went to school, and I met him in full makeup, and he still hired me, which was a <laughs> good thing. But anyway, but then in the Christmas play, we'd put on this massive Christmas program, and they always cast me as like this weird person. And so I'm not joking. I, had, I, had, I was one Christmas time. I was like the, the, like when they were changing scenes, they didn't want people to look at the stage. And so me and the, a friend of mine, we were, we were the comic relief out in the crowd somewhere, and they put a spotlight on us, and we'd tell corny jokes. And then one year, they cast me as a nerd. Now, I mean, I had glasses with a tape on the thing, and my pants were about this high. And I was, I was the guy trying to get into the play that nobody wanted into the play. And I, mean, I was talking like Garrick. You know, I was, anyway, I'll stop. But I like theater and drama, okay? And so I've done a little bit of it, haven't done it in a long time, but throughout the ages, really the theater has been a stage to help connect audiences for countless generations. It really just has. And uh, tragedies, comedies, both real and imaginary characters, uh, people, people flock to that kind of stuff. And the truth is, if a play is, is uh, presented in a way that's worthy of the story, uh, the conflict of the drama okay, the conflict of the drama, it can cause the audience to display raw emotion. Have you ever been there where like it's in the middle of the conflict and you're like into it and like sometimes you see it on television, you're watching, you like scream at your televisions and people are like, it's just a movie, can you calm down? Have you ever done that in, in a stage where you're like, don't go in there, you know, how stupid can you be? You're supposed to go out the door, not up the steps, the guy's chasing you, right, right? And, and so the conflict, and so there's, there's parts of a drama, the conflict of the drama can cause the audience to display that raw emotion. And as the play kind of reaches its climax, the audience can be held breathless waiting for the turn, waiting for the resolution. Can't you? Have you ever been there with a, with a drama? I, I have. And those are really the parts of a drama. If you've ever studied drama, if you've ever been a part of it, there's the conflict. And, and by the way, if there was not conflict, it wouldn't be a good drama, right? That's exactly, see, my daughter knows. <laughs> if, if there wasn't the conflict, uh, the, the, you'd be like, what's the point of this thing? But the way a drama is supposed to work, there's supposed to be the opening act, and then eventually there's a conflict, and then the, the play reaches its climax, and then there's a turn. And we're all waiting for the turn, and we're hoping it's good, right? And then there's the resolution to the play. Well, those who enjoy theater, and it's funny, we, you mentioned the, the name Shakespeare this morning in, in Sunday School, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about him just briefly, but, um, but the, the, you would recognize Shakespeare. You say that name, and, uh, and Shakespeare, almost everybody in here would recognize who that is. Maybe not some of the kids, but, but before Shakespeare's Hamlet, before Macbeth, or even Romeo and Juliet, God himself, the great playwright, if you will, okay, the great playwright, he recorded in the book of Esther a tragedy and triumph that we're going to study for the next three weeks, okay? And so I want to kind of get the idea of the curtains opening on our drama. The account of Esther, it's nonfiction, okay? It actually happened. It was not written for a theater stage, but it possesses all the characteristics of a classic play. And so I want you for the next three weeks to really get in mind this idea that the curtain has just opened and the, the actors are on stage and from this ancient account of kings and queens, of, of, of villains and heroes, the audience is going to see and we're going to see how the providence of God directs it all. 
And so this is what we want to do over the next three weeks. So if you're going to be here for the next three weeks, the book of Esther, if you want to read it, you want to study it uh, while on, the, on your time where you're not here, feel free to do that. But today I want to kind of refer to as our opening act. So imagine for a minute the curtains have just been drawn, and I'm going to read to you the story. And as I read to you the story, as I've kind of written it, I want you, you're going to see on the screen scripture verses, okay? Every one of the scripture verses are there just to back up what I say. Okay, so I'm going to read to you the story, and as the, as the scripture verses pop on the screen, you can read them or not read them. It's totally up to you, but as what I say, you're going to see the verses that prove as a proof text for what's there. So here's the story of Esther, if you don't know it, the first two chapters. Okay, here we go. A long, long time ago, in the area between India and Ethiopia, there lived a wealthy and powerful king who reigned over 127 provinces. His name was Ahasuerus. But sometimes he was called Xerxes. For about three years into his reign, he decided to throw a massive party that would last for six months. He wanted to show off the extent of his power and wealth. After his 180-day party was finished, he threw an exclusive seven-day party, inviting only the people who lived in the palace. On the last day of this exclusive party, after the king was drunk, he decided to parade Queen Vashti, his wife, in front of all of his drunken friends. He sent a command for Vashti to report to him. And make no mistake, Queen Vashti was beautiful. When the queen was told that the king was commanding her to appear before him, she refused. Her public refusal to obey the king's command made the king angry. After consulting his wise men, he divorced his wife and made sure that she never set foot in the palace again. It took the king some time to emotionally recover from his divorce. After a couple of years, it was decided that the king should get a new wife. He decided to hold a royal beauty pageant and commanded the fairest maids of all the land to attend. In Shushan where the palace was located, there just happened to live a Jewish man named Mordecai. Mordecai had a cousin by the name of Esther, whom he had adopted when her parents died. When the king commanded that all the young men be brought to his royal pageant, Esther was forced to be a potential candidate for queen. Prior to attending the pageant, Esther had been encouraged not to reveal the fact that she was Jewish. After a full year of preparation, Esther won the hearts of everyone around her. When the king saw Esther, the beauty pageant was over. The king made Esther not only his bride, but also his queen. After Esther became the queen, the king's life was spared when Mordecai reported an assassination plot against the king. Story to be continued next week. Now, what you have seen, now go ahead and, and uh, go ahead and click through some of these here. Oh, right there, back up, back up. So there's the end of it. This is the very end that we just say in the chapter 2. Mordecai reports 
the fact that there's an assassination attempt. And so right in the middle, we are building on the opening act. If you're a theater person, we've already had a little bit of conflict, and we're building, and there was a little bit of resolution, and now the, the, the story begins to build in its, in, in, its, uh, in its opening act. And what we've just seen, if you don't know the story of Esther, basically Esther, an adopted young lady who has never, never, ever been, been uh, to her homeland, like back, back where her, her parents live. She's, she's kind of there in the, in the palace. She gets adopted by Mordecai. She is just kind of this, this actor that, if you consider an actress, who you wouldn't, wouldn't think would be anybody, but yet God is going to providentially use this young girl to really save a nation. And if you want to, you can read chapters 3 through 10, through the rest of Esther, 3 through uh, 10, you can read the rest of it. But I want you to meet the cast. Okay, if you wouldn't follow along, I want you to meet the cast. So here we go. We're going to meet the cast this morning. If you want to take notes, I've made it real easy for you. Meet the cast. We have the king. His name is Ahasuerus, sometimes Xerxes. And so you can look him up. He was a real person. He really did reign. But I'm going to ask you, from what you know, from what you've just heard of the story of Esther, the king, King Ahasuerus, what type of change was Ahasuerus dealing with? Somebody just talk to me. Okay, what kind of change was Ahasuerus dealing with? Wife, okay, so I put on the screen, here's, here's one, go ahead and click on it, divorce. Boy, that will change your life, won't it? Some of you, you've experienced that. You've experienced this idea, this change of divorce, and it's like, I mean, you, you, you just, maybe it was your fault, maybe it was her fault, maybe it was his fault, whatever it was, it was both your faults, and finally you just realize, my life changed because this happened in your life. The king, this was the type of change that he was dealing with. That's another thing he was dealing with. Okay, assassination plot, that's true, that's true, we find that at the very end, he's going to deal with that, we cut the story off there so you don't know what's going to happen quite yet, <laughs> all right, what kind of change? A new wife, it's exactly right, remarriage, he's dealing with remarriage, some of you have dealt with that type of change in your life. Some of you, remarriage, whether it's a divorce situation or whether it's a, whether it's a, a spouse has died and then you remarried. Uh, I just spoke, uh, we were in Ohio about two weeks ago, and I just spoke to a great friend of mine. He's about 88 years old, and his wife died after years of living with her. Obviously, the only wife he'd ever had. 50, what is it? 58 years he'd been married uh, to her, and when she died about two years ago, uh, he remarried very quickly. And uh, I just talked to him this time, and, and he, was, he was just telling me, wow, is life different. I mean, when you live for, with somebody for 58 years and now all of a sudden a year later and it's like you, you're married to somebody completely different, I mean, they're both of them. Their lives are just totally different. But I want you to see a, a, a truth that we're going to see throughout the book of Esther, but really throughout the first two chapters, this concept. No matter what change happens in your life, here's what's true. Change doesn't change God's plan. Change doesn't change God's plan. It was interesting as I walked in this morning and while we were in Sunday school, and by the way, if you don't come to Sunday school here, let me just invite you. It was great. We sat around and talked about the Word of God. If you just, I'm going to challenge you next week, two weeks from now, whatever, get up a little extra early, come here an hour early, and just and be here for Sunday school. It was awesome. But it was interesting to hear her talk about, and I didn't even get your name, I'm sorry, Vivian, talk about the, all the changes that happen with an airplane and landing and hoping you're landing and circling around Boston and New York. And, I mean, all the changes, and all the changes that she dealt with. Not one, yesterday, yes, yesterday. Not one of those changes changed God's plan. 
This is the concept we'll, we'll look at throughout the day, okay? Next cast, here's the next member of our cast, the, the queen, Vashti, Vashti. Some people say it differently, but Queen Vashti, what kind of change was she dealing with? Come on, help me out. What? Yeah, same, same thing. She's dealing with divorce, is she not? Rejection. Yeah, rejection. Absolutely she's dealing with rejection. What else is she dealing with? Kicked out of the palace. And when you get kicked out of the palace, you know what's true of you? Look, this is what's true of you. Loss of financial security. Some of you, you have not been kicked out of a palace, but financial security right now is like, oh. I mean, and that can set you on edge. It really can. Loss of financial security can really set you on edge. Here's another change she was dealing with. Loss of social status. She went from queen to nobody. <laughs> I mean, nobody. I mean, when you're kicked out, I mean, you talk about gossip. Socially, I mean, people have been talking about you. And some of you have dealt with that. Some of you teenagers, you deal with that on Facebook and on Instagram and on and all the social media sites. And, and it's hard, by the way, parents, just so you know. It's a tough life for some of your kids online. I mean, people are not nice. And when you lose your social status, sometimes that can be, especially for a teenager, that can be a dagger that just hurts. Just does. Here's another one. Loss of residence. You ever been homeless before? <laughs> this lady went from the biggest, best house in the world, probably at that time, to nothing. See you later. Out you go. All right? And in that culture, when I mean, you talk about that culture, uh, parents inviting them back in, hopefully they're gracious. But, you know, you just got kicked out of the king's palace. There's something wrong with you, woman. That's the, that's the mentality they had. I'm not saying it's right. That's the mentality, okay? Here's another one. Hatred, possibly, from other women. Because if you know the story of Esther, here's what happened. As a result of her disobedience to the king or refusal to come, they made a law that all the women had to obey their husbands. I mean, you talk about that, uh, a, 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 I don't know, dynamic that just changes your life. It's that woman's fault that all this is happening to us. She's dealing with major change. Here's our next. By the way, here's a reminder. Change doesn't change God's plan. Okay, here we go. Here's the next one. Here's the cast member, Mordecai. Mordecai, what changes was he dealing with? As we read the story, as you saw them pop on the screen, what changes was he dealing with? His cousin, that's right. He had to adopt his cousin. He was, here we go, the father to an orphan. Her parents had died, the scripture tells us. All right? Some of you, you've brought someone into your home that wasn't your child. I'll tell you, that changes your family dynamic. It's a good thing. But it changes your family dynamic. He went from no father, as we know of, to all of a sudden he was a father. All you guys think for just a minute, even if you had naturally born children, when you had a child, what happened? <laughs> your family dynamic changed, didn't it? Didn't it? Absolutely it did. For the good, sometimes for the bad, sometimes it's just a bunch of change and you're just trying to figure it all out. Not only that, he's dealing with parental worries. I'll tell you what, I did not have hardly any worries until this one was born. Man, when I brought her home, all three pounds and 12 ounces, that's how big. I mean, like this big, tiny, like that fit in my baseball glove. No joke, I tried. Okay, so, so here she was, you know, and all of a sudden there's some worries that I had that I didn't have before, right? Mordecai's dealing with a grown woman, but still parental worries, right? Here's another one. Closer ties to the king. See, not all change is bad. But at the same time, he's now tied close to the king because Esther eventually will become queen, right? So now he, the daughter he has raised, is now tied to the king. So he has the ear of the king through, through Esther. 
Our fourth, by the way, just a reminder, change doesn't change God's plan. All these changes he's dealing with. Here's the fourth member of our cast, of course, Esther, the name for which the book is, uh, is named. All right, what kind of changes was she dealing with? I've got a bunch of them here. All right, what's that? Queen. queen. All of a sudden, she goes from peasant girl to queen. Boy, she, the opposite of Queen Vashti, right? All right, but still, massive change. If you ever watch those, those Disney movies where, you know, the princess, the little pauper girl becomes the princess and she doesn't know how to act and, you know, she doesn't sit properly and they're trying to teach her. I, I have girls, okay? <laughs> so give me a break. All right. But that's the reality for her. Here's a list of them. Look, here's some things that I, that I thought about Esther. Death of her parents, first of all. Okay. She dealt with that. Some of you have dealt with that. My mom dealt with that about five years ago. My first grandparent died. Her dad. It was different. It was just different. Here's another one. Being a foster child. Go from parents to no parents. Being adopted, that changes you, especially when you're older. Removed from her home, right? Before she, was, she had, maybe had security, maybe she, wherever she lived, she lived with her parents, and now she doesn't. And now she's got to go live with your uncle Mordecai, all right? And uh, adjustment to palace life, like we just talked about. Now she's more popular. Now she has more money. Maybe some despite, I didn't put that up there, but she has better living arrangements, right? There still change, but here's the truth. Change doesn't change God's plan. So here's what we've got. There's our cast. And so we walk as this curtain has opened into Act 1, Act 1, and here's the act. We see a changing plot line, a changing plot line. Everything about these characters, they dealt with change. And if you and I are honest, change can be very, very difficult. It, it had to be for these people. It had to be difficult. And here's what's true. And I put this on the screen so you can read it. You can write it down if you want to. But here's what's true about change, okay? In order to make a proper evaluation of change, change must be viewed from the perspective of something or someone who is outside of the influence of change. You see, change is emotional. And when you're in the midst of change, you can't really have a proper perspective of it, can you? Right? When you're in the middle of a divorce, you are not really thinking focused. Right? You're just thinking, my world is turned upside down. When you have loss of financial uh, stability, you're not really thinking. You're in the middle of all that. That change is very emotional, and you, really, you, have, you can't view it right. You need to view it, look, from perspective, no, back up, from the perspective of something or someone who is outside the influence of change. Real quickly, help me out. Is there anybody in this room who is outside of the influence of change? No, but God is. Look what the Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. It says, For I, the Lord, do not change. What a thought. It's the word immutable. We'll come to that term in just a minute and we'll define it. God does not change. You and I, we are constantly changing. We can't help but change. Everything about us. I mean, if you just down to us, our growth right? The cells are constantly dying. We are constantly changing, everyone. But God is independent outside of change. I want you to see a little bit about God. I've asked three people to read some verses for us, and uh, we're going to discuss some of those verses. So uh, the first one, I think I gave to Matt. Matt, if you would, if you, and go ahead and stand. So we want Matt standing. Matt, if you would, please read, please read your verse for us, Matt. 
Wait, wait, what? Is he, what? Hey, could you click the next slide? No, you're supposed to have Psalm. Dude, you're, that's not yours. Sigh, but not aloud, make no mourning for the dead. Bind on your turban. Dude, put on your, no, you don't want to. Read this one, read this one. Bind on your turban. <laughs> Did you hear that? Back up one slide, if you will, please. Uh, yeah, right here. Of the old, so two, you're right. Of the old, you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Talking about God. Look what the next one says. They will perish. Everything that he's made eventually, gone. Okay? But you will remain. God is independent of change. Change doesn't affect him. Change doesn't change God's plans. They will all wear out like a garment. And you will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But look at the end of this verse, okay? But you are the same, and your years have no end. This is God, unchanging, immutable. Peter, I think you have our second verse. Is that right? Peter, what verse is it? Proverbs 25, okay, if you could read that. No, no. Dude, you're supposed to have Isaiah 14. Could you... Could you, could you read, not Proverbs, read Isaiah. What is this gold ring and he's wearing turbans and you're wearing rings? What, what, read that one. God's plans don't change. Look at this verse. As I have planned, so shall it be. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. What a thought. What a thought. Change doesn't change God's plan. We are in the midst of change that's so emotional sometimes and can really rock our world. But God doesn't change. His plans are secure. Caleb has our last one. Caleb, if you could read our last verse for us. John 1.17? No, no, James 1.17. <laughs> James, every... Okay, he's got turbans and rings, and what do you got over here? The wrong verse. Moses. Okay, <laughs> read that one. Read that one. James, not John. He's a brother. No. Go ahead. With whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. What a thought if you think about that. No shadow due to change. No change. This is God. And in the midst of our changing world, in the midst of your changing world, in the midst of the divorce, or the marriage, or financial insecurity, or the loss of residence, or the death of somebody, or the, or the living with somewhere else, or whatever it is that's going on in your life, or whether it's just you're in an airplane circling around going, please land, okay? Just please land. All right, I don't want to land in New York. Land in Boston, okay? Just land in Boston. It's where I'm supposed to. In the midst of all that change, God has never changed. Nothing caught him by surprise. So, real quickly, obviously, I, I set it up. <laughs> For those that were supposed to read their verses, their plans were set. Right? 
They did exactly what they were instructed to do. Everything was the way they thought it was supposed to be, right? That's where we are in life sometimes, right? But they had no clue they were going to have to change. Now, after about the second one, you probably figured that, okay, his is probably going to change too. But they didn't know that their verse card was part of a bigger plan. You just stand up, I'm going to read this card because this is what's supposed to go with the message. And, and this, you didn't know that I had a plan. I had a plan that I'm going to make you read a different verse, okay? If you had read, okay, if you'd read the verse, the content would have no help to our lesson. I mean, come on, your verse was like, sigh, but not aloud. Make no mourning for the dead. Right? Bind on your turban and put on your shoes on your feet. Do not cover your lips nor eat the bread of men. That would not help this message, would it? But he just said, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to read the verse. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. He had no clue that there was a change coming that would be better for the message, right? And sometimes we're holding our card in life going, this is what I'm supposed to do in life. And God comes along and says, I want you to do this. And you're like, but I don't want to read this verse. I don't want to do that. I don't want this to, get, no, get rid. Listen, that wasn't a change to God. This wasn't a change to me. I knew exactly what was going to happen. If they had read the verse that they were prepared to read, the content would not have helped. Change was necessary for an understanding of God to be learned, right? If I had not changed verses, you would just know about a turban, all right? That's all you would have known about. You would have not known that God doesn't change. It wasn't a change for me. I'm the author. I wrote this lesson, right? I knew what was coming. You just didn't know what was coming. But what was best inconvenienced the three readers, didn't it? And sometimes what is best for you and what's best for me, it inconveniences us a little bit. It makes life more complicated, but change is part of a bigger plan. See, the real purpose was not just to read a verse but to understand, and for understanding of God to take place in our illustration, change of verse had to happen. You got it? Sometimes we're frustrated, we're, we're, we're confused about changes that occur in our life. And it's a result of our assumption of purpose. We assume this is what's the intended plan. We assume that this is what's supposed to happen. We make the assumption that change was not supposed to happen. It's supposed to be the way that I, that I look at it. We assume that the plan that I have in mind is the right plan. Perhaps the only plan sometimes, right? Isn't that where we are sometimes? Well, this is the right plan. This is what we're supposed to do. Real quickly, we look at these verses. Of an old you've laid the foundation. God stands outside of change. We, all of us, pass away, but you remain the same. The verse, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 24 said, As I have planned, so it shall be, and so it shall stand. James 1, 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variation or shadow during, due to change. You see, there's a changing plot line. Let's jump quickly to this. Since God is unchanging, we can rely on what he says about change, can't we? You see, not one change that happened in your life, that has happened in your life, that's about ready to happen in your life, took God by surprise because for God, they weren't changes. He stands independent of time, independent of changes, and he, he's, he's the master playwright, so to speak. God has never thought, oh man, I didn't see that coming. What am I going to do now? Not one time has God ever thought that way. See, we have to realize that what happened in the book of Esther and everything that's happened and will happen, by the way, in your life is part of God's plan. Change doesn't change God's 
plan. And if you're in the middle of a change that's not desired, remember God knows the reason and He knows the outcome. What a comforting thought. Sometimes that's all we need to know, that God knows and He knows how this will all end. And you, like the characters of the book of Esther, you may not know the outcome, you may not know the reason at the moment, but God is still at work in your life. Please give the unchanging God the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> See, we would never question an author of a play, would we? Well, that's not supposed to happen. Why, why are you doing it that way? No, the author wrote it. He knows what's going to happen, all right? Whether we like it or not, the author knows God has written. God has not forgotten about us even in the midst of these crazy changes. And so, changing plot line. Here's another thought that I just put out. The unchanging God, we have an unchanging God. And here's the thought about the unchanging God. The plot and the storyline may change dramatically, but it does not change the playwright. Your, thought, your life, your twists and turns that you go through may change, but nothing changed God. He hasn't changed. Nothing surprises God, because they weren't changes to God. So here's some thoughts. Go ahead and click on the next one. We have an unchanging, there it is. Yep. These, these terms come up, and this, this term came up in Sunday school. Again, you should come to Sunday school, 10 o'clock it starts, okay? But sovereign, when we talk about sovereign, we're talking about one who exercised supreme authority or rule. Did you know in your life, despite the changes that you have to walk through, God is still sovereign? When your money goes away, God is still sovereign. When that marriage breaks up, God is still sovereign. When that death occurs, God is still sovereign. He's still exercising supreme authority and rule. Here's another truth about God, another definition for us. Immutable, we talked about it a minute. Immutable, incapable of change, not capable of or susceptible to change. God is not susceptible to change. He stands independent outside of all change. It's the author of the book. <laughs> and the changes are taking place in the book or on the stage, if you will. Here's another term, providence. And this is really the title of this whole series, Providence or Providential. And here's what that term means. The manifestation of divine care or direction. Here's, sometimes, here's what you just need to know. In the midst of all the change, you have to understand that God still cares and God is still in control. And for some of us, that may be just the one thing that we can cling to. Despite this insanity that's happening in my life, God still cares and He's still in control. Change doesn't change God's plan. The psalmist writes it this way, and I think we put it on the screen, Psalm 23. He restores, Psalm 23 is a, is a passage I memorized when I was real little. And listen to this, it says, He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, although he leads in the path of righteousness, God does, occasionally that path turns into the valley, even the valley of the shadow of death. And a proper response to change is modeled here by King David. In the middle of an undesirable change, he focused not on the valley, but on the one with whom he walked. You see, it's interesting. James says, with whom is no veil was neither shadow of change. And here he talks about the shadow of death. It's interesting if you notice that, did you know it's impossible to have a shadow without a light? 
Think about that for just a minute. God's not affected by the shadow because he is the light. <laughs> Isn't that awesome to think? When I am in the midst of the valley, even the valley of the shadow of death, I can turn toward the light. I think you said it this morning in Sunday school. Again, you should be in Sunday school. Right? Listen, this light in the midst of a dark, dark place, and make no mistake, some of you have dealt with dark, dark places. Some of you may be in the middle of a dark, dark place, but in God there's no variation or shadow of change. He leads in the path of righteousness, but change, and change happens, Right? But change doesn't change God's plan because we are constantly changing. It's difficult to know the purpose of the changes that we face. See, we have the advantage of knowing the outcome of the book of Esther, don't we? You can read it. If you don't know it, go home, read it. You'll know the, you'll know the end of the story before we teach it over the next two weeks. But the characters of the book had no way of knowing their outcome. They were living just like you and I. Again, it's nonfiction. Okay? It really happened. Okay? When Queen Vashti refused to show up to the king, uh, to his party, I'm sure she was probably not thinking, I need to disobey the king's command so I can repl be replaced as, as the Jew by a Jewish queen. I, I think I'll do that. <laughs> no, she had no way of, that, that, that's probably not crossing her mind, okay? She might have thought, if I don't show up, I might get replaced, but I'm just not doing it, okay? There was no way that King Ahasuerus, I mean, he's probably not thinking, you know, I need a new wife. So uh, I'm glad she didn't come, so I can just dump her. You know, I, I'm sure he's probably not thinking that. For Esther, think about her, all right? Think about all the things. There was no way Esther could have possibly known that the captivity of her ancestors, the death of her parents, the adoption by her cousin, the disobedience of a queen, and a lonely king would ultimately, listen, ultimately lead to her coronation and the salvation of a nation. There's no way she knew that. And when it's gather all up, throwing a wagon, you're going to the palace because you're going to be part of a beauty pageant, she's probably thinking, what have I got myself into, right? Why me? Even if it turns out good, right? See, nobody but the great playwright himself, God, knew why all the changes need to occur. He wrote the script. All the events of the life of all these characters, he, they had to happen to accomplish his purpose, a bigger purpose than each individual member of our cast. And some of us, that's where we are. We need to trust the one who doesn't change, who stands independent of change and can see the changes that are happening and trust the fact that he cares and he's still in control. For God, the script contained plot changes that he chose, right? The Apostle Paul, he understood this concept, Romans 8, 28, uh, for all things work together for good to them who love God, who, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You see, from our perspective, not every change is good, but from the viewpoint of an immutable God, everything is a part of his plan. Truly, God is working to accomplish his purpose. Change, your change, my change, doesn't change God's plan. We've got to trust that his plan is right, even if it changes our plans. It's interesting, I, I was going to quote this earlier, but I'll quote it now. I have a, a friend of mine, an author, a pastor up in New Hampshire. He wrote it this way. He said, God has a specific, detailed plan for your life, and that plan will not change. When there is stress in your life, you know where that comes from? Stress is when there are two agendas. Now, you can have a plan, but listen carefully. God's plan will not change. 
And then he writes this, I suggest that you change your plan <laughs> because God's agenda is not going anywhere. What a thought. What a thought. We view changes as part of our story, and when we begin to develop, when we begin to embrace them as character development, <laughs> we can find fulfillment in the role that God ultimately has for us, that the great playwright, the best playwright of all time, has written the story of your life. In the area, so the question this morning is, is what area of your life are you fighting God's plan? Is there one? Are you in the midst of like, why, what in the, you fill in the blank, right? What change are you dealing with that you need to just stop and go, you know what? I don't like this. I don't want this. I wouldn't choose this for my enemy. But God, for some reason, you've allowed this change in my life, and I'm going to trust, if nothing else, the best you can do. God, I know you still care, and I know you're in control. And maybe that's where you are today. Maybe the change is just way too big for you right now. And you're just like, I can't do this, <laughs> All right? Can you just stop for just a minute and say, God, I hate this. I mean, just tell God that. He already knows, right? Right? I mean, honestly, if you're in the middle of a change that you hate, God already knows you hate it. So just tell him. I mean, you, God's not offended by that, okay? Just so you know, you, you have permission to talk to God that way. God, I hate this. I absolutely, got, and my, my daughter's going, Dad, you're saying hate. Yes, tell God that, okay? Just tell him, you know what? <laughs> Dad, I don't like this. I don't want anything about this. But maybe you need to just stop and go, but I still believe you care, and I still believe you're in control. And maybe that's you today. And maybe some of you, you're at the point where, you know, you can embrace the change and, and see it as character development. Maybe you can see yourself as the curtain closes on our first act. Esther and Mordecai and Vashti and, and the king are all in flux and our, our story is still building to its ultimate plot line. Which, by the way, the book of Esther, if you've ever just take, go to the middle of it and cut it right down the middle, it's two parallel halves. It's an awesome thought if you really look at Esther as a whole. Okay? But maybe today, in the middle of your change, whatever it is, tiny or large, you need to say to God, God, I don't know why. I don't even want this, but I trust you care, and I trust you're in control. Let me pray for you. Dear God, thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. What a great story. What a great nonfiction story to remind us that all the changes that we deal with were not outside of your control. And so, God, if that was the, the message that somebody needed today, just in the midst of a difficult situation, their change didn't catch you by surprise. Their change didn't change you. Help us to rely on the one who is immutable, the one who is sovereign, and the one who providentially can care for us. In your son's name, amen. We're going to have a time of invitation and worship. We'll have some prayer counselors coming forward. If you um, just have some things in your heart that you need to, um, to pray about, I um, just encourage you to come and um, just respond to, to what God has um, just spoke to your heart this morning.